0: No, this
1: introducing the original blood clad podcast not yes, a sodium semantic special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Oh. Yeah, man, S-W-O-T, semantic. Yeah, man, no. boom! Sodium semantic. Yeah, man, no. big ups to the man, sodium semantic.
0: On another episode of the Soothing Semantics podcast, I am your host, and today we have Anton Martel. How's it going, Mr. Martel?
1: Very good. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for coming. So uh, Anton has quite a large following on Instagram. Uh, I started following his page, and two friends of mine, uh, Alon Avji and uh, an Eitan Israelov, who both of them I've had on my podcast already have said great things about you, man. And I love your content. Phenomenal real estate content. Thank you. You show up whether your hair is, is neat or not, which I, which is (laughs) dope. And uh, and, uh, just to kind of roll right into it. A lot of people, including me, I haven't invested in real estate yet. Um, I very much plan to do so very soon. Uh, And now that we're talking, due to what's happening with COVID, uh, you're in Cali, right? Yep. Okay. So I saw a video you posted recently about why you invest in out-of-state properties.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So for people who are listening, what are the reasons that you've decided to do that?
1: Yeah. So a couple of reasons why, I mean, first of all, where do you live?
0: I'm in Miami originally okay, from New so, York
1: okay so Miami or New York or la or Seattle I mean all these places are way too expensive for somebody like like me or you or a normal person who has you know 20 30 40 grand saved up let's say so not a million bucks saved up not 200 300 400 grand saved up investing in a place like California or Miami might be a little bit easier but like in California or in New York City or something like that it just there's it's impossible to make it work I mean here Well, we started, we started with 50 grand. We're like, what can we do in California with 50 grand? Nothing. You can't even buy an empty, you know, you can't buy an empty lot unless you did it in the middle of the desert. Um, And so it doesn't make much sense to invest locally. So investing out of state, there's a couple of advantages. First of all, your money goes a lot further. Landlord tenant laws. I can now invest in five different markets. I can diversify. I can invest in many different projects instead of putting all my eggs in one basket. So for many different reasons, investing out of state, when you're investing in, when you live in a very expensive market, it makes you know, all the sense in the world. Um, so those are the reasons why we invest out of state and why we chose to invest out of state. I mean, personally, we, again, we started with 40 grand and we were like, all right, this is how much we want to invest in the first deal and doing something here in California again, impossible after a year of searching and trying to raise money and trying to figure it to get creative with it, it just didn't make any sense at all. And that's why we ended up going out of state so that we can actually get into our first project uh, with 40 grand.
0: Okay. Makes a lot of sense. I just, I know that in the California markets just with taxes alone and the price points, yep, it's just crazy to do. It's crazy to do anything really.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you might, teardowns here for a million bucks. I mean I we started in San Francisco looking around and it was eight hundred thousand dollars we were bidding on teardowns. Yeah. And the houses were were in rough shape. I mean you, you literally couldn't do anything structurally not sound and eight hundred thousand dollars and we were getting outbid by two hundred grand.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. And now that everyone's leaving how is that working as far as depreciation?
1: So effects haven't hit yet. Um, I think it's coming, but I think there might be a point in time where the property values go down to a point where like those people are going to start coming back, especially if like you're in San Francisco, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're in like Hayward or like whatever, places an hour out of San Francisco, I think those people are going to start moving to San Francisco. So will San Francisco ever go down? like I think it always is going to have some sort of intrinsic value. It's kind of like Manhattan, right? So as soon as Manhattan prices start going down, now if I'm living in Brooklyn or some other suburb outside of Manhattan, but I but I work and want to be in Manhattan, then I'm just going to move to Manhattan because the prices have gone down. Therefore, um, there's always going to be some intrinsic value. So we haven't seen the effects of that yet. And that's kind of my philosophy. I think like the, the sub markets of the major cities are going to get hit of course, like in LA, we have like the Valley, which kind of surrounds, sure. you know, Los Angeles. And so as soon as LA prices start going down, people in the Valley are just going to hop over the hill because now, oh, now I can get to live in LA for the same price as the Valley. Nobody wants to live in the Valley. It's just, you have to, because of your budget. So right. that's what I think is going to happen. And you're going to see the same thing as 2008, where San Francisco, LA won't get hit hard, but those suburbs, those tertiary markets outside of the main metros are going to get hit hard. But so we haven't that, seen the effects it, yet. It's going to be a slow burn though. So to go against mm-hmm. your thing of like people moving out, it's not like, not everybody's leaving at the same time, right? Like we've seen some, a, a couple of heavy hitters leave, Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, all those people, but, uh, and then all the main tech, com- a lot of the main tech companies, but it's going to be a while before like people start, you know, not everybody moves the same month, right? So it's going to be a slow burn, slow mm-hmm. exit out. And what do you? A
0: good question. I think a lot of it is about market shift. Meaning, for you, you know markets, so you understand the idea of okay. For instance, the pandemic causes certain issues, causes certain migration. You can kind of maybe predict that over time. Where will people go? Will they go from uh, urban neighborhoods to more suburban or rural areas? Uh, Yeah. At what point will they maybe even start to move back to urban areas? Because I feel like the same Mm -hmm. way history repeats itself in other aspects of anything else I feel like it could be it's applicable to real estate too or eventually if things kind of uh, go back to the way they were to some degree people may want to move back to the city again because for instance Manhattan rent is going down
1: yeah yeah I I think it's all about trends right so I mean we the last i don't know how many years 20 years we've been kind of in a i don't know what they called it but everybody moving back into the cities right before that it used to be everybody wanted to be out in the suburbs they didn't they hated the city didn't want to be in a the city then people were like well we should start moving back into the cities yet There has all these pros and you know we will do new developments we'll make it nicer we'll do it and then people started flooding the cities and then now especially with covid i mean now people are like i don't want to be close to people i don't want to you know And that, you know, even though COVID might only last, you know, one, two, three, four years, it could affect us for the next 10 or 20 years because everybody might be scared and might change their living situation. Instead of living in the high rise downtown apartment, I'm going to live in the suburb countryside home where I have just all I need is good internet. And I can work from anywhere because all my, the companies I work for don't don't want me to go to the office, don't care for me to go to the office. And so that's a big shift too. All these main tech hubs, Silicon Valley, now all the Silicon Valley employers are like, oh, you can work from anywhere and get paid Silicon Valley wages. So I had a buddy reach out to me because I grew up in San Francisco. So I had a buddy reach out to me. He's living downtown San Francisco, working for a tech company. They said, we'll keep your Silicon Valley wage. Um, You can work from home forever as long as you live in California. So if you don't leave the state, you can live in California and work. Wherever you want to get paid Silicon Valley prices, and so he's just going to move to San Diego because San Diego is way cheaper than San Francisco. Being warmer climate, You can get a house in the in the suburbs of San Diego with a twenty minute drive to downtown San Diego. Real quick, Anton, just hold you
0: what's what's the median price San Diego versus like San Fran?
1: Oh, San Diego is like you can get a house for like a night, an okay house, like. All right, for the same kind of okay property, it would be like 600 grand in San Diego versus like $2 million in San Holy Francisco.
0: Holy shit.
1: And We're talking big. almost four times the
0: price. Yeah. Almost.
1: Yeah. But like worse, San Francisco, like way worse weather. Hilly, like taking Ubers and getting around and like traveling around downtown is like a pain in the ass. Weather's like cold and foggy 300 days of the year. There's probably like a couple of weeks uh, there's probably a couple of weeks out of the year where you can actually do stuff because the weather's nice. San Diego—it's the complete opposite. 300 days of sun a year, yeah. so it's a no-brainer for. Imagine that's just one person that I talked to, but all the other people that are thinking the same thing now because their companies literally—you don't have to come to the office. You can work from home. Now I'm going to find a nice, large house in the in the suburbs where I can have an office space, and all mm-hmm. I need is good Wi-Fi. I'm good to go.
0: 100.
1: So it's changing changing everything It's going to change the way california is and the rest of the country i think
0: uh, well kelly also has this crazy scare now i just interviewed someone uh peter santanello fascinating fascinating guy he has uh he does a lot of vlogging and and travel videos uh, has a very big youtube following uh, hopefully you'll check out the episode i just put it out and he was living in San Fran for a little while. He just did an episode and he was talking about the panic that there is in Cal in many parts of California. Just how if you're walking in the street, uh, people are very, very conscious of like wearing masks and they'll like kind of cross the street when they see you and things like that. Yep. So people are kind of, uh, I guess, panic ridden or stricken yeah.
1: versus. other Yeah, places. that's for sure. Yeah, I mean. You're in Miami. I don't even think they know what COVID is over there. Yeah, but, uh, it's so chill. <laughs> great. People are taking it very seriously. Like, literally, yeah, you'll be walking down one side of the street and people will cross over wearing masks religiously anytime you go outside, pretty much. Um, that's the kind of mentality here. I mean, we've been – we've also, like, the governor and, like, the way things are is, like, shut down still. So, like, we still only have – they just opened outdoor dining a week ago. Wow. Um, so we've kind of been in this mentality of, like, Hey, COVID's real. It's here. You know, we've been. It's not unlike you guys, where it's like, oh, nightclubs are still open, and you know, all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, everything's been shut down. No bars. No, no drinking. No da 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 da.
0: So I can't imagine, man. I don't know how you do it, but listen, you know, teach their own.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not us. And then, so they kind of set these rules, and then people are just going around you know, like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's in California. It doesn't, you know, it's not in Florida. Florida doesn't get COVID. for (laughs) example.
0: It's just a different way of life, man. If you want to, you know, it's all a matter of that's why America is great, I guess. Uh, Now, now another question I really have among several is when you started out. Okay. I, I meant to introduce this in the beginning, but uh, Anton has founded Martel Turnkey and Martel Turnkey has, and and I, I mean I obviously you're going to go into it, but I'm going to give you give a little introduction. Is uh, a company where he does research in all different parts of the country, decides where to invest, has plenty. You have plenty of of investors investing anywhere from uh, I would say a couple of hundred or a thousand dollars into different different uh, plans that you have, and essentially you are building a real estate empire.
1: Yeah. Pretty good. So Martel Turnkey. Yeah. Yeah. Martel Turnkey. Yeah. Buys the easy way to describe it. We go buy single family homes. We renovate them, rent them out, put a property management company in place and then sell those homes to our clients, help our clients get financing, insurance, property management. So for people that live in San Francisco or LA or New York city and want to invest in real estate, but don't have a bajillion dollars, they only have 20 grand. They can now, through our company and buy houses in Memphis, Cleveland, St. Louis, um, and start growing a portfolio with us and through us. And we'll help them with, you know, building their team and finding the properties, all that kind of stuff. Awesome.
0: awesome. Yeah, definitely, definitely something that I would be open to doing with you in the near future for sure. Yeah. It, my, my family, like it's not even about my family, but growing up, I had no idea, no knowledge of real estate. It wasn't something that was, stressed this idea of investment it just wasn't a thing so um, now that i'm getting older (laughs) it's uh, becoming a much much more important thing to me So i've been doing real estate only for a few months as a a realtor Uh, but now that i'm around it and i'm following all these pages and i'm talking to people and connecting with people who do have real estate investments i'm I'm understanding the the, the power of it so uh, this is why i was so excited to have you on
1: it's a it's a good way to get started. I mean, that's why we started the company. so many people are in the same situation as you, and they don't know how the hell to get started and uh, it's the simplest way if you have twenty grand in a w two job you know some sort of stable income mm-hmm. and you can get finance you're financeable pretty much, then mm-hmm. I mean turnkeys are an amazing way to get started for sure for a lot of people
0: absolutely yeah we'll be in, we shall be in touch about that for sure, yeah. And then, as far but I haven't read your book yet, a uh, millennials guide to to real estate and to real estate rental properties. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, to investing in rental properties, yeah, investing yeah. in cash flow, cash flowing rental properties. Yep. The book can be found on Amazon, ladies and gentlemen. Give it a gander. Give yep. it a buy. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna read it. Uh, you wanna. You wanna give us a little bit of sure. A bit of knowledge from the book. Some of the pe- some of the parts that really.
1: Sure. Yeah, the book was, so the book was written because I was just getting so many DMs and messages about how I, how do you do this? How do you do this? I started writing articles and posting the articles. Um, and then I had all these articles and I was like, shit, this could be like a freaking a guide of how to do, do the whole thing, pretty much the mm-hmm. whole entire strategy, how to choose a market estate, build a team, find the property, analyze the deal, how to finance the deal, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, let me hire, you know, I have an editor, let me hire the, or a writer, let me hire the writer and let's see if we can just take all these articles and make it into a book and add, you know, fillers and blah, 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 blah. And that's what we did. Turned it into a hundred page book in a couple months and uh, then started selling it and giving it away. Cause then I didn't have to get like the question pretty much. How do you do this? Here you go. Here's a link to buy the book or whatever. And it's only like three bucks on Amazon or something silly. So that's, yeah, so that, that's why the book and that's what it will teach you awesome
0: um, and and I think for a lot of people the idea of real estate investing is such a such a fear for them that aside from all of the the concepts of whether you're buying property flipping uh, you know buying and holding doing all these things to them it's just this massive cloud of Whatever. So for me, I also have a lot to learn. I'm not going to sit here and act like I like I know a ton. Uh, for me, I just you know want to understand a little bit more. Decide what I want to start with. I mean, what would you recommend as as somebody starting? Um, what do you when you first made when you made your first investment? What did you do?
1: So when I made my first investment, it took me two years before doing the first deal. So the first two years was trying to do stuff locally, trying to figure out doing stuff locally pretty much so wholesaling flipping commercial development like even had like a free internship where i was working for free for six months with somebody who was a commercial developer here in la so i did all of those different things and then kind of realized that with my budget or what i was trying to accomplish which was cash flow california was not the place to do it um that's why i have i mean the shirt on Cause that's what the main objective was for me getting into real estate was the cash flow, So that I didn't have to go and work for a paycheck every month. It was just yep. the paycheck was coming in. Even if it was just a couple thousand bucks, I mean, that would be like incredible cause that would it's pay huge. all my expenses and then I can do whatever the hell I want to. Cause I'm very entrepreneurial. I don't need to be motivated or pushed to do anything. I'll get up every single day, even if all my bills are paid and work on the next thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, that's me and my lifestyle and that's what I was looking for. And I realized then too through those first two years, like California sucks to invest, it's too expensive. Landlord tenant laws suck, property taxes, insurance, all these things are just ridiculous and blown out of proportion. Your taxes keep going up every year, can't evict tenants, all this kind of stuff. And then started realizing, oh, there must be a way that people are investing in real estate and collecting cash flow. I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, so what the hell? Um, And then realized, oh, Robert Kiyosaki doesn't invest in California. He invests in apartment buildings in Texas or Florida or Georgia. Why does he do that? And then started going through all these bigger pockets podcasts and listened to just like just hundreds of them. Um, and through that learned a bunch of stories essentially about how other people got started. And so that's how, that's how I came to do the out-of-state thing. Now, what is somebody like you, you know, or somebody in it that wants to start, like, how do you figure out what, you want to do, or what you can do, or what you should do it depends on where you live, you know, who you know, how much money you have, um, and then what your end goal is as well. So, if your end goal is cash flow, then you know it has to be in a, an affordable market, it has to be in a place where you know there's good landlord tenant laws and all these kinds of things. But if you don't have money and you want cash flow, now you have another problem where you know, you're going to have to find money first before you can start doing stuff for cash flow, or you're going to have to start flipping houses or wholesaling to get cash to buy stuff for cash flow, blah, 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 blah. So Mm -hmm. it really depends on what people's goals are. And then their kind of resources is what I like to call them to kind of get them to that goal. And it might be, you know, for most people, it's like literally a 10 year plan. I mean, for like our turnkey clients that want to leave their full-time jobs and have cash flowing rentals, it's like, Hey, this is going to take you 10 years to accomplish this. So if you're saving 15, 20 grand a year, you can buy one turnkey rental a year. After 10 years, you've been making a couple thousand bucks a month. Now you can kind of leave your job and um, you know, live below your means throughout this entire time. And uh, then you'll be able to quit your job in 10 years and you can, you know, refinance your portfolio, you can sell it, you'll have cash, you can, you know, keep scaling up your rental mm-hmm. property portfolio.
0: Right. So it's definitely, it depends on how aggressive you'd like to be, how much money you have. They, all these things are very, very sensible for me, quite frankly, I'd like to do that a lot sooner. Yeah. I, uh, I also, I also like you have a very entrepreneurial mindset. I not am very self-motivated. I unfortunately haven't started investing uh, as early as I wish I did, but Hey, I just turned 27. I'm not, I'm not an old man. So yeah, uh, yeah for, for me, it's, I quite frankly want to have a lot of real estate and I'm very, I, I know I'm going to get into it. I just have to, you know, think it through. I'm not the kind of person to to think too much into it, but it just has to make sense where I know what I'm doing. I understand the risk. I understand uh, the reward and then I can make a calculated decision. So, and yeah. once it happens and I'll, I'm obviously going to fuck up and certain things aren't going to go my way, but you know, that's how
1: everything is. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you
0: know, it's, it's just not as complicated, I think, as
1: a lot of people make it out to be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're in a good state too, for like, definitely for everything. So like, I don't know about Miami, but like I would drive like an hour or two hours outside of Miami and start looking there and little pockets that you think could be appreciating or up and coming. And then, yeah, I mean, especially if you're there on the ground, there's so many out of state investors that want to invest in Florida or whatever. I mean, Anybody who finds the deals holds the power. And so you can wholesale the deals, you know, list the deals, you can list the deals and bring in an investor and you get a piece of the deal sure. and you can manage the cons- entire construction process. You can start your own construction company. I mean, you being in that market already has it's all of, you know, all these advantages that people like me, well, not me. I, I don't like investing in Florida, but a lot of other people, come. Florida, um, It's just, it's really hard to find deals. Uh, There's so much competition. Uh, The prices have been flying up for the last, uh, who knows how long, five years. Then there was like a big hike in all these insurance policies and taxes have been going through the roof, I believe from what I'm being told. Um, So the, the price to rent ratios didn't make much sense. And then also the insurance premiums, I think after the hurricane, the insurance premiums kind of went through the roof which made a lot of people who bought like turnkey rentals or rentals in general, made them not cash flow as well because all the insurance premiums went up and all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So that's for those couple of reasons I've kind of stayed away from it. I also don't like to invest in markets that have already had their spike in appreciation. I like to invest in markets that are pre appreciation. So that means like Austin, Texas, 10 years ago, or, you know, Nashville, Tennessee, five years ago. Right. So, all these places that haven't seen the spike, but I can go in and create that buzz or whatever you want to call it, because I know what's going on where a lot of people don't know what's going on quite yet, and that's what's made me chosen. Cho- that's what made me choose my markets of Memphis and Cleveland, because I mean, you go there and you drive certain areas, you're like, "Holy shit! Okay, I I can see this this happening and this taking off." And so those are the kind of markets that I invest in Florida is too, too far gone for me
0: here. You're saying in a sense, it's already too late. I, I totally get that. It's funny. So you kind of, when you go into a neighborhood, you can look at the style of homes, the way the plot, the plots are the way the streets are, and you can kind of envision where this place could be in five years. And you say the market values here, if I invest in this, in this location, uh, it couldn't, it can end up looking like this, or it's, uh,
1: yeah, it's yeah. Just it's look at of... just look at a map. So like, just look at a map too, and just look at the geography. So sometimes they'll have like three hundred thousand dollar houses, three hundred thousand dollar houses, and right in the middle it's like fifty thousand dollar houses. And it's like, why is that? Oh, it's because this used to be a high crime area, but over the years this has kind of gotten pinch, pinch, pinch. Okay, cool. I'm buying right in the middle. Does do these houses and the way that the the streets are like you said, the streets are lined. Do they look exactly like both of the other neighborhoods yes they do well what the hell why can't no it brainer so so it's a no-brainer and so that's what we look for all the time when we're investing or you have like uh a freeway uh an arts district like somebody the city came in like built an arts district in cleveland and then you have a lake and then you have like this tiny little strip of land that goes up and then there's an a-class area and a D class area. And where the D class area is, they built this like arts district, the city invested 7 million bucks. And it's like, Hey, the city invested money in it. I don't know. Cleveland had $7 million. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have this a class area, $150,000 houses. And then here you have like $80,000, $70,000 duplexes. It's like, Oh my God. All right. I'm going to buy all of these. I'm close to a good neighborhood. The, you know, it just, the freeway and the Lake, there's nothing else, you know, People are not driving here to commit crimes, right? It doesn't make much mm-hmm. sense. And the city's investing money in it. And so they want the area to change. And so those are the kind of things that I, that I look for, uh, when investing in certain, not like a macro sense, but more like a micro sense about the certain neighborhoods and markets. And you can't find that in like, you might be able to fly find that in like a Jacksonville, Florida or something like that, right. but it's going to be like way higher. Like, you're going to have three hundred thousand dollar houses, and then like two hundred thousand dollar houses. Right. So you don't have as much spread or margin, and then also the two hundred thousand dollar houses are already too expensive. I I'll never buy a house over hundred fifty grand. As soon as it gets over a hundred fifty, the cash flow starts to suffer.
0: So funny. Al- alone, actually, alone said that as well. Um, oh it, really? it's... Why are you surprised? He he also he, he...
1: invests in like freaking eight hundred thousand dollar. Million dollar projects, doesn't
0: he? I mean, he said he likes to do it lower. I mean, uh, at least that's what he told me. Ooh, wow. someone's being thing roasted up, but he, he said he, he likes doing the lower end. So, I mean, that's what he told me. Listen, we're not here to, we're not here to get all Jerry Springer here. This is what I, <laughs> this is what I understood. Um, ultimately I, that's, this is so my thing because I love visualizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very, I'm just very fascinated by different, uh, uh, geography looking at a neighborhood and seeing okay what's the what's going on here when yeah. is the value going to go up is the value going to go down you know all of this stuff and you end up becoming this um i guess predictor for lack of a better word yeah muscle memory it's so interesting and the more you do it the more you can literally you anton you can go into a random neighborhood in bumblefuck yeah. nowhere and you can pretty much predict how it's going to end up in the next couple of years, just based yeah. on saying, okay, there are 20 crappy houses and there are seven much nicer houses that popped up in the last couple of months or the last two years. And you can say, okay, this is changing clearly. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's so interesting. Yeah.
1: But you can do it even, you can get even crazier too. I mean, you can pull a zip code and you could say, Hey, Hey, you know, all the uses, all the houses used to sell for 70 grand. And this, so like, we're, we're in this like tiny little, probably like 250 home pocket in Memphis right now. And a couple of guys sold houses for like 150 grand to homeowners. And they got financing the houses appraised, which is crazy. And then I was like, and these are like new. And then somebody did a new construction project there, 250 grand sold Mm -hmm. appraised. And I'm like, what, what is going on? And then everything else is like for sale for 20 grand. And then I'm like, all right, well, we got to start buying as much as we possibly can. Let's just sell it way cheaper than these guys. We'll just sell them for 80 to 100 grand, put tenants in there, rent them out. And so there's also like a $10 million new development project that was planned. It hadn't even begun yet, but I'm just like, all right, we'll just sell the news on this. And then to the north of it was like mansions, to the south of it was this new development. Then you had freeway and trains train train tracks. It's like, this thing is the geography just doesn't make, you know, there's nowhere for, again, people are not going to drive in here to commit crime. If we just change this little pocket, which is only 250 houses and the streets look nice, they're tree lined streets, all this kind of stuff. I mean, you can just envision it. You don't know how fast it's going to change or happen, but you know that it's going to happen in your gut uh, eventually. And so those are the kind of places that we invest in. And um, you know, if you want to diversify, let's say 100, 100, 100, ugh, let's say you had a hundred grand and you wanted to like invest in a bunch of these different neighborhoods. I mean, you can't do that in Florida now because like hundred grand you can buy one house in Memphis or Cleveland or St. Louis, for example, I can take a hundred grand. I can use it for many different properties in many different, so kind of diversifying, splitting up my chips into all these different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the reason why I like those even lower press points than the Florida prices. Right. Yeah.
0: I knew, I knew Memphis was a big place for you. I know that's something that yeah. you You tend to invest in a lot. Yeah, yeah.
1: How does it
0: How does it fare compared to Nashville?
1: Nashville, Nashville is like three times the price of it, and Nashville has a very good like uh, country music scene and bars and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what put them on the map first. But Memphis has, Memphis has its own like, uh, its own kind of vibe. It's like gritty. It's raw. It's like uncut city unlike this Nashville which is kind of this like polished country musician star Nashville is more like uh, like blues music and history I mean Martin Luther King assassination all these other history mon- I mean um, Elvis Presley like his whole museum he was born and raised there and so it has like a way different feel than Nashville um,
0: two of my friends just moved there shout to out to your feet and Awesome, awesome uh, couple I know back from Brooklyn. I know them for a nice. very long time. So yeah, they nice. moved to Memphis very recently, maybe what a year ago.
1: Something Memphis like or that. Nashville? Memphis. Oh wow.
0: Yeah, they moved from Brooklyn. They're 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 loving it. Yeah, they. Uh, it's a totally I'm different world. I was I'm there telling. once. I was there by by my friend's family. Very mm-hmm. it's just
1: very open. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get some houses in the countryside and. For six hundred grand, you have like a five thousand square foot house with a Nuts. pool and a two acres, and yeah, it's crazy.
0: Well, truthfully, in Florida, you for six hundred k in a lot of parts of of even South Florida, you can get very nice places for six hundred k. Man, yeah, yeah. That by the way, that's mind boggling for me because I grew up in Brooklyn most of my life. Six hundred k, six hundred k doesn't get you shit. Yeah, and if you're on Long Island, okay, Staten Island, fine. We're talking the five. Uh, five boroughs midwood if you know flapwood. i don't know if you're familiar with areas in brooklyn but dude no. in where i grew up you can't really get anything for less than a million dollars and you get absolutely crap you, you you don't most of these places are a million plus you don't even have a driveway you're lucky if you have a driveway many of them are attached which means you only have sunlight coming in from the back and the front of the house it's 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 a big deal to have sunlight coming in and growing up I thought to myself, this isn't normal. You know, and I argue with a friend of mine about this because he's like gung ho about Brooklyn. He's a realtor in Brooklyn. Um, and we always uh you know, talk we talk about this. It's just crazy, man, to to Yeah. I don't that that's just I, I don't I don't think people are getting their value, but listen, some people are, you know, set on the city living, I guess.
1: Yeah, so we moved from Toronto, Canada. I was born there, moved to San Francisco oh, in 2001 parents yeah. bought a house for 700 grand and they were like what the fuck why are we paying 700 grand for a house blah 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 um and they did that and then flash forward 20 years later when they sold it or 18 years later whatever 15 years later they sold it for over two million dollars the same house that they bought for 700 thousand bucks Man. um so absolutely ridiculous. and then now we're driving around stuff they moved to la now and then now we're driving around properties here in LA and uh, we were driving through a neighborhood yesterday to kind of a new area we've never been to. And we were just driving around, I guess that's what we do for fun now. And um, we were like, Oh, I wonder what these houses are worth. And I'm like, well, shit. You know, if it was in our neighborhood where we grew up, which was like total suburbia kind of place, I was like, Oh, these places would be, you know, 3 million, $4 million. And we look and they're like, yeah, one and a half million bucks. It's absolutely ridiculous the san francisco bay area silicon valley
0: yeah absolutely wild i don't know i, I need to get i need to get at least to at least have a backyard if i'm going to spend a million dollars i think that's reasonable no yeah <laughs> yeah i don't real. think that's too much to ask trampoline yeah. a pool <laughs> places for my for my kids when i have kids to run around i, I think that's reasonable you can't get any of these huh. things in new york um no. so now that we, LA, we covered a lot of even. what's up
1: la you can't even get that
0: right right yeah this is no. what i hear um uh, so so as far as deciding what and and i'm, I'm really just tr- i'm asking a lot for myself for sure but there are since there are a lot of people who haven't invested when do you think it's a good idea to buy and hold something when do you think it's a better idea to To say, you know, burr a property.
1: It depends on the deal, right? So like. That was a heavy question for you? just, Yeah, geez. Bringing back memories. Um, It depends on the deal. So yeah, it depends on the deal. If there's a tenant in place and they're close to market rent, then shit, just keep it and just leave the tenant in there and burr it later. If you're buying something vacant and it needs value, you know, renovations done to it, then burr it if it's in like a price point or an area where you can buy it, rehab it and resell it. So like, it depends on the deal, I guess, and where the deal is and the comps and, and what the quality of the property is today and what the market rents are versus the current rents. So yeah, there's no, there's no right answer to that. It's really depending on the deal. And then that's why, like, if you have a certain strategy, like, Oh, I just flip houses. Okay. If you just flip houses, then, um, know something that's has a tenant in place obviously you're not gonna you're not gonna buy that you're not gonna want to deal with that if they're on a long-term lease right so you kind of have to go in with your strategy almost and then like find the property for your strategy not the other way around where you like find a property and then like come up
0: with decide strategy. what to do yeah, yeah yeah yeah. okay no that's why i'm glad i asked you for sure you have to yeah. decide how you what you want to do and kind of filter it out i you were you were talking about this I forget if it was on podcast. I think it was just on your page and you were talking about um, how to know if something is simply worth your time and the importance of being able to filter out
1: yeah, what, to what's no a waste. So you can, what's up? Yeah. To figure out what's a no as quick as possible. Right, so right, it's right. like find the no as soon as you can. Yeah. Like, no, you, also wrote, this. you wrote a
0: post about this. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure.
1: Yeah, I loved it by I the I way. It was, a,
0: it was an awesome yeah. post.
1: Thank you. It's something I preach all the time. It's something also is like match your resources with the best strategy for you today, too. So a lot of people like, you know, have no money, um, have a ton of time and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, well, you don't have many options. You don't have much money. So you either go raise money and you can flip houses and blah, blah, blah. Or if you have no money and a ton of time, we'll start wholesaling can go on craigslist and just call people all day long and call leads all day long on craigslist right so like mm-hmm. match your resources what you have and who you know with like the best strategy and just start there and just like go from one house to two thousand houses and then all right cool i figured i figured that out now I have a team around it, a system around it. Now I'm gonna take that cash that this business is creating and go and do the next strategy. But a lot of people just like do three projects in one way, and then they change their strategy and do another three projects, and then they change their strategy and do another three projects. And then at the end they're like, Yeah, I have a couple Airbnbs, I have a couple flips, I have a couple rentals, I have one apartment building. It's like they're have they're just kind of all over the place and it makes it really hard to scale and build a system around something that is it's all so, over the place.
0: I'm so wow. Dude, thank you for that. Cause I was, this was one of the questions I had cause you'll have people like this and they kind of brag about it. You know what I mean? They're very proud of it because look at me diversifying and you're mm-hmm. from your mind, it's stop getting confused with all of these different strategies. Focus on one, decide based on the properties you come across. Uh, whether it's something you can do or not based on your strategy and go from there. And at, at a certain point you get so good at, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you, you get so good at it by doing it so often that you can quickly determine whether something is good or not in, in a heartbeat. You know, you go through the, you check off the boxes. Does, it, does this house have this? Does this house have that? Or does it not have this, 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 that done? No, no deal. Next, no deal. Yeah. Next, no deal. And you were, you were talking about this uh, and you were saying that, the sooner i can just say no to all of these things the sooner i'll find i'll find what i need right
1: it's all a numbers game right so like war acquisitions people like they have their little buy box if it doesn't hit this buy box like just nope don't figure out how we can buy it and what we how we can make money with it no if it doesn't work for your buy box you're not buying it move on to the next deal because we're going to beat somebody else on the speed to the next deal than figuring out how we can make 200 bucks a month with the current deal. So just fucking leave it alone and keep going to the next deal. And just, that's why, that's why, that's why one acquisition guy for us can analyze a hundred deals a day. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so then at what point do you feel the property is worth, is worth like kind of, uh, you know pulling a few hairs like at what point is it like ah this isn't great but it's worth it never done it no if it doesn't if it doesn't fucking fit it's it's a done it's done for you
1: nope it's not worth it if it's something weird like oh utilities i go okay it's going to be a bitch it's going to but like if it's something i can't put on the budget then it's not worth it so does that make sense so like all right buying an apartment building let's say utilities are not split up i need to add utilities or put a rubs in Okay. Okay. If I can put it, if I can put a rubs or add utilities, I'm sorry, you you said I'm not familiar with rubs. So like, let's say some, a building is not separately metered. So like there's one water meter, not 20 water meters for every unit. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to just like spend money to add 19 water meters and I'm going to put that (laughs) on my budget. Then there we go. Problem solved. I don't really have to think about it, but if it's something that like, Oh, we're going to have to figure this out down the line, like, no, that's not something I'm going to waste my time because oh, okay. it's going to take me away from the other deals that I have going on. And I have 55 single-family home projects going on that are under construction. How in, how in the hell, if every one of them had a little twist to it, there's no way in hell I would be able to, my brain would explode.
0: And even if you could hire somebody to handle that, you, it wouldn't be worth it for you?
1: No, because it would be, they would just, how could they do it? They wouldn't even, they're, it just wouldn't even happen because they don't really have the answers or wouldn't really be able to make that's not what they're being hired
0: for it's not what they're being hired for they wouldn't exactly they're coming to you
1: yeah how would you hire for that role hey we're just going to give you a bunch of fires put (laughs) out but you have to just (laughs) make 100 100%, 100%, yeah it's just like have the conversation with the person okay i had the conversation here's what they said it's like i should have just been on the phone i could just make the decision
0: exactly i completely hear this it's so it's it's dude I, i it's crazy how much shit in so many different fields of anything are so applicable. Yep. You know, it's like the the older you get, man. And it's not, well, it isn't necessarily an age thing. I'd really just think it's a matter of giving a shit and and wanting to succeed, Yep. but it's just a matter of understanding, you know, eliminate everything based on no's. The more you can say no to things, the faster you, you can determine what is worthwhile. You know, we can go all day. I'm not going to sit here and talk about all the things that are, yeah. Similar to everything else, but yeah, yeah the, you've, you've really simplified things. It's just funny how, how I'm not going to say real estate investing isn't complicated. Um, but I think when you're at a stage where you're at, it really isn't. It's just a matter of, you know, no, you're already in, you're already in a state of flow. You know, what you have to do it.
1: Yeah. And then everybody else does too. That's the thing. I don't have to mm. like re-explain, say, Hey, this feels a little bit different guys. Like we're going to be doing this to it. No, mm. same fucking paint, same fucking, everything is the same. It, it makes sales easier too. So same. everybody knows that this is what we do to the houses. If uh, you know, the HVAC is old, but working, we keep it in place. Everybody knows that. So every time we buy a house, if the HVAC is old, but working, we keep it in place. If the HVAC is old and not working, we, we get rid of it and put a new system in. So therefore, when they see the scope of work and it says new HVAC, it means that there was an old system or no system and we put a new system in. Now I don't even need to explain it. They just look at the scope of work, the renovations completed that we put on our website and everybody knows on the entire team that there was something wrong with it. We had to put a new one. And if there's a home warranty on each policy on every house, that means that something was older and we wanted to put a home warranty policy for our client. So they know that the systems are older, but in working condition, therefore we can get a policy. You see, it just makes, I don't have to explain every single deal
0: because you have your, you have your system. You, you follow your system. You don't go away from your model and system. And then everyone who's working with you or for you understands that this is Anton's system and it's not, it's not changing. So if this happens this way or that happens that way, it's just a matter of the system flowing the way it's supposed to. So when you were mentioning one thing I wanted to, bring up again when you're mentioning the um say you know the pumps if you had to add something earlier on your your thought process is if i have to fix it uh in the beginning but it's a it's a fixable problem right away you'll deal with it because you know okay it's out of the way but if it's a long-term problem that can come up again at random times or it's this you know monthly issue that's going to fuck with cash flow and and mess your with your expenses Mm -hmm. you'd rather not deal with the project altogether right Yep, exactly.
1: Yeah. And there was also, a, I was listening to, a, I was on a clubhouse too and somebody was quoted somebody else about saying like, you know, be boring, be boring and stay boring kind of thing. Like, and it's just, you, you know, I don't know if you know the 10,000 hour rule or like just muscle memory in general. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you've, once you've, if you've done two 10,000 houses, the same exact way, you already know all the issues that are going to come up and you know it better than anybody else. So The reason why I'm going to beat everybody else in this space, the 80 to $130,000 single family home in the suburbs of these, you know, major Metro markets is because me and my team have already seen all the things that could possibly go wrong and we can fix them up front or budget for them so that we don't lose money and we continue to make money and be profitable. Right. But that's because we have like a very tight buy box and our clients are looking for a very specific product. So I'm not going to go away from that. I'm like everybody on the team already has this muscle memory that we've been training, training, training. Every house that we do is just training that muscle memory and everybody's learning, you know, together about what works and what doesn't and kind of what, what, what to watch out for. So we can all like watch each other's backs is essentially. It's
0: awesome. That's phenomenal. dude. Okay. And so we, we definitely covered a hell of a lot of ground.
1: Yeah, we did. Jeez.
0: Sure did, man. Right.
1: Yeah, that was thank bad. you,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, I'd like I'd like to say I uh I'd like to say I've done this a couple of times, so yeah I I love doing this man. Yeah, thank you for thank you for coming. I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I am definitely going to be checking out your pages as I always do. I don't check it out every single day, but I definitely tune into it. Cool. So thank you for awesome. providing free uh, awesome knowledge that I can that I can really use. Of course. And uh, okay. yeah, I'll, oh, cool. a What's up? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'll definitely be reading your book. I'm going to drop all your social media accounts. Uh, guys definitely check out his page. I haven't checked out your YouTube uh, account.
1: You're pretty active on there too. Mm, Not really. I used to be, I wanted to do 2020 was the year for the YouTube, but, uh, I was going to travel around and hire a guy to follow me around. I hired him. And then, uh, I was going to fly around the country, visit projects, meet people, blah, blah, and just have like him there literally just filming the whole thing. And then COVID hit. And so uh, that was scratched. So hopefully once COVID, whatever, once, once the vaccines or what, I don't know, whatever, once things open up again and I can travel freely without the worry and without him worrying too about getting sick and stuff like that, then we're going to do that. So that's Uh, what's, what'll be coming. So soon, (laughs) but not, not yet.
0: Sounds awesome, man. Uh, okay, guys, this has been another episode of Soothing Semantics. Anton, thanks again for coming. Of course, hope to uh, hope to meet at some point if I do come to California, which quite honestly probably won't be uh, anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> if you do, if you come to Miami, definitely let me know. I'd love to, I would love to meet up. Yeah. And guys, as always, tune in every Monday. I uh, will see you soon.